Hey everyone, welcome to Above Board, the podcast about how to build a bootstrap business, digital privacy, and updates from our company, Fathom Analytics. I'm Paul Jarvis, designer and marketer. And I'm Jack Ellis, programmer and hype man. Follow along as we have candid discussions about what it means to run an ethical business and keep things always above board. And as always, you can learn more at usefathom.com. On today's episode of Above Board, we're going to be talking about hiring, firing, and retiring. Am I being fired? Am I being retired? We'll find (laughs) out. Yeah, so today's episode is coming out of me and Paul talking behind the scenes about uh, removing ourselves from certain roles and also about actually hiring other people. And it kind of came off the back on Twitter. I saw two things which kind of made me start thinking about this. It was basically talking about how can you fire yourself? It was Rob Walling and then it was someone else. I think it was two people. What can I fire myself from today? And it really got me thinking. And for me, I'll just jump in with what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. And, sure. and for, the li- for the listener, this is just me and Paul deciding to get on the mic and talk through some new ideas. Uh, background is we loosely discussed some ideas last night. I always feel like when we go public with this kind of stuff, competitors will listen and just jack our thinking. But I don't really, I don't really care anymore. You know. Yeah, we don't have any competitors. That. I don't think Google Analytics <laughs> is listening to this show. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. The way I see it is I'm doing things at the moment. I, you know, the other day was WordPress. We had to do WordPress, manage that plugin, update it. I shouldn't be spending my time doing that. No. And then we've also got a series of integrations. So we've got, you know, like React. And we're having to answer certain questions. And it's making me think, we could really upgrade this page. So I want to remove myself from all integration stuff and just be on the core stuff. Um, so that's what I've been thinking about. And I don't know, I suppose probably half it, by next year, I won't be surprised if I'm doing only half my time on coding. I really won't be surprised because um, it makes more sense. We're getting to a point where it's probably going to make more sense that other people are doing coding with me. You know, as yeah. you said it multiple times, the development's going to be the bottleneck because yeah, it's a software company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For you, is there anything that you do right now that you feel that you need to fire yourself from? Dark mode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no no kidding. I mean, I I don't know if I would fire myself from design. I suppose potentially if we found i just think it's I, and i i said this on on our chat i think it, it it's very hard to it would be very hard for me to find somebody to take over design because i'm so picky about it just like with you it'd be very hard for you to find somebody for programming because you're so picky about it right and i think that i don't think that's an insurmountable difficulty or obstacle though right like i think it's something that we just have to work through and figure out what the best option is for it. I think for me, probably front end, like if I had to fire myself from anything, it'd probably be front end code, to be honest. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense, actually. I love design. I love thinking through the brand and the strategy and the way the words and the design and everything interact. HTML, CSS is just a a fussy little nightmare. 
Mm-hmm. Like I do it and I don't have a problem doing it, but I guess if I didn't have to, I would be okay with that. You know, whoever we bring in, if we'd ever did that, they'd probably be like, they're going to convert it to tailwind. That would almost certainly happen. <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad thing, but it'd just I'd be funny. Fun with that. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't just care less. Uh, yeah. The only designer I can think of, and there'll be other people are going to be mad at me because I don't mention them, but Brian Lovin is the only person that really comes to mind uh, yeah. for me. I'm sure you know thousands of designers, but I don't know many. Uh, yeah, I don't know many designers at all, actually. I mean, isn't isn't Brian busy? Doesn't he have a full time <laughs> job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, GitHub might be a bit mad if Brian suddenly said, "Yeah, we're going to do some work for Vathom." Yeah, but he's the only person I can think. Yeah, so it is hard. I mean, programmers, you can hire different levels, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, you'll find that juniors can get stuck into things like, say, for example, uh, a settings form. Right? A junior can do that, and then they just need a little bit of guidance. It is my experience, obviously. Not not all juniors. Mm-hmm. Every junior is different, but a kind of someone towards the end of junior, where they're moving towards maybe mid level, is usually pretty self sufficient. They're, they're capable of doing things. So I'm just thinking more and more about. We've got a huge list of freelancers. I tweeted that we want to look um, look at working with some freelancers in the future. We have a huge list, and lots of people want to work with Fathom. So that's exciting. Um, so I don't know if I'd be super fussy. Honestly, uh, I'm not as fussed on the skills as I am the personality. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, someone's perhaps not as... So say we've got two people, right? Uh, if someone is not quite as good as the second person, I would opt, but they've got a nicer personality and they're just easier to work with. I would always pick them. Yeah, I think communication skills uh, are probably one of the most important things. Like I look at all the projects I worked on in the past when I was a freelancer and I worked with other freelancers and like I brought in a developer or developer and an SEO person. It in any time that things fell apart, it wasn't because of the skill set, it was because of communication. Right? Yeah, so I care more about being able to be understood by that person and then on on the reverse that us being able to understand what they're doing and them communicating well and being able to write things down in an intelligible way right mm-hmm. well you've always said about it's it makes more sense to spend a premium on someone who you know is just going to get the work done without micromanaging that kind of thing yeah. so yes you spend more but they just get on with the work and i think that's actually bled into fathom which makes sense because this is what you've always said bled yeah. into fathom so now the people we work with are typically more expensive than the market rate but they're just you know, I think every single person we've worked with, we've paid a premium of some sort yep. and they've just, they've just got on with it. Yeah. I don't want to manage people. I'm not interested in being a manager and that's not a skill set that I want to look into foster or have. Like, I just want to hire people to, who know how to do the work and I can just say, okay, here you go. Do, do the work. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. If you need mm-hmm. to talk about anything, I'm happy to talk about it. But you know how to do it. Just go do it and tell me when it's done. And that's what I like about sole proprietors or, uh, you know, corporations working, freelancing corporations, whatever you want to call them. You don't have to manage their day-to-day work. You give them a problem that needs solving. Example, we need to build this, this, and this. You don't manage them. They're not employees. They mm-hmm. will just get the work done. They'll manage their own schedule, uh, all, all their own equipment, that kind of thing. And they'll say, hey, I'm done. Now pay me, please. I mean, I love, I love that setup. That's how I used to work as a freelancer. Same, same. 
Yeah, I don't want to tell people how to solve a problem. I just want to give them, this is the problem that we need to solve at Fathom. You have the skill set to do it. Now tell us when it's done and we'll pay you whatever your rate is. And then, I mean, you hire, so rather than employing someone, you're going to then take them on contract. That's always going to be more expensive or seem more expensive. Um, I think it makes sense though, because you're obviously not giving them benefits. They have to do their own, if they're in the US, health insurance, that kind of thing. Yeah. So you're always going Which to Which I've pay heard is pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're always going to have to pay for things like that. I mean, do you have any figures to mind? Have you seen the comparisons between salary? Because I see some developer salaries and it's like $50,000. And I think, are you kidding me? Who's working for f- this? This isn't, I'm not trying to, I'm not out of touch because developers shouldn't be making 50000 No. Developers listening, if you're making $50,000, you can make a, a lot more. I mean, am I being controversial? It's, it's not controversial. Developers can make way more. Listen, developers out there, right now, everyone needs developers. Yeah. So you may be in a comfortable job making that money and don't move if you're happy with your work and it's fulfilling. But if you're thinking about that you might want some more money, you could easily, easily push that up. There's tons of places hiring. So, I mean, I see 50 grand. I think, are you kidding me? That's way too low for a developer. Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking I think- just how that might compare to contracting rates. Yeah, I mean, I've always just, I don't know what a rate should be. I've always just went out and looked for, okay, who do I want to hire for this job? see what they charge. I've never negotiated with a freelancer on rates because yeah. when it was flipped, when I was a freelancer and people were hiring me, I was like, I'm not negotiating. Like my rate's my rate. Like if you want to work with me, here's how much it costs. Keyword so, being me. That's a keyword being me. Yeah. You've you told me that when I first, well, second time I met you, I think about, because I asked you when we, when we met the second time, I think it was at your house. I said to you, how did you get so much work when you're freelancing? Because you're teaching this course. At mm-hmm. the time, I definitely didn't know how to get freelance work. And the thing you said to me was that people came to you. They didn't want a designer. They wanted to work with you. Yeah. And since you saying that, I've seen that happen over and over. And then when I launched my course, I saw people actually emailing me saying they want to work with me. So it wasn't that they're looking for a PHP developer. And exactly the same as you. So I want to work with this person because of X, Y, and Z. So uh, with freelance developers, most people don't do that, by the way. Yeah. When freelance developers actually do that and they position themselves as experts on an area, the work floods in. And people will hear that and they'll read that and they'll say, establish yourself as an expert. And they think, well, what do I even do? I can't do that. I haven't got a big audience. Well, guess what? No one has a big audience when they start. You have to actually build that audience by giving things away and giving value. Why would anyone follow you unless you're going to give them some kind of value? Whether you entertain them, whether you educate them, you have to be providing some kind of value. So when you're sitting there with a hundred followers and you're thinking, oh, what, what do you mean, you know, provide value or establish myself? Start sharing value. If you've got no one listening to you, don't spend ages constructing tweets. I've seen people do that. They'll put together these long threads, really detailed, so much work, and they've got 25 followers. Don't do that. Now is not the time to get fancy. Why don't you start writing those threads, save them, and use them at a later date? Your first job is to get followers. Why don't you go to where there are people talking? It doesn't have to be on Twitter. It can be on Facebook if you're on Facebook. It can be on forums. Get talking to people. Build that audience, mailing list, Twitter, whatever you want to do. And once you have the audience, you can start building it up. But you can't start sharing these long-form things if there's no one there listening to you. Imagine if Paul wrote a weekly newsletter like he did from the start 
start with 10 followers. Paul had to actually build an audience first. And, and you did it by writing. You wrote publicly. You wrote on Forbes. I mean, you were everywhere. <laughs> it's fair to say you were everywhere. Yes, and it 100%. helped you build an audience. If you'd have just jumped straight into where you were a year ago and said, oh, I'm just going to start publishing my weekly newsletter. I'm not going to promote it or anything like that. It wouldn't work. The reason that you got such a big audience is because you were literally everywhere. Like I, you remember when we changed your SEO to Fathom? Yeah. We saw all these backlinks that were sent to your site originally. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's crazy. It's, Sorry to be clear on that. We switched. We redirected Paul's site to the Fathom site, and um, Ahrefs basically told us all the the backlinks that Paul had onto his website. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, and it's all the work that you've done. So that's what it is. It doesn't just happen overnight. So when you're a developer and you're making 50,000 or whatever, think about how you can position yourself as more of an expert. And that can be open source work. It can be anything. And holy rant, that was not yeah. intended. <laughs> so what's the what's the plan here? Like, what, what are we thinking of right now that we that I guess we started talking about before we were like, oh, let's just record this. We were talking about um, integrations. Do you want to talk about that on, on the show and kind of work through it? Yeah, sure. So early thoughts and I think we're both aligned with this based on the small conversation last night we want people to basically take control of the integrations and in return for that what we want to do is want to so say for example we've got I think it's is it Benedict how do you pronounce her name I've only seen it written down I think Benedict Day Benedict Day yeah so we've got her and she's in the tickets uh, to, to, to do so what we've got to do but she we want her to take control of the Gatsby plugin because she's very good at Gatsby and she's very public with it all and, and she's great at what she does and what we want to do is we want to start offering people so they get Fathom for free they get we pay them an hourly rate to work on the plugin and then what we basically want is for someone to kind of keep us updated when that changes and then to outsource the maintenance of these plugins. And the goal is to just put together something that's actually valuable to them. So we're not taking the piss basically. And then, you know, they're hugely involved in Fathom. We publicly acknowledge them for sure. I think it would, it would look good on the CV. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, exposure. It's not an exposure thing. It's not a, can you do this for free? We would pay them well to do that. So any work they have to do, we'd pay them a good hourly rate. And the deal would be that we're not having to say, I don't want to be in a position where I'm saying, oh, Gatsby's changed here, here and here. Can you, I want them to be, you know, like Rhea's. Rhea's mm -hmm. basically listening to all of this privacy law constantly. And if something changes, we hear about it. I mean, Reed's literally leading the conversation on this kind of stuff. So we need yes. people like that. And I think Gatsby is an example. Uh, WordPress, um, Next.js. We just need individuals that are, I guess, project owners. And I don't know how that would work financially. We have to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of people are keen to get involved. Um, so it's not an exposure trade, but people want to help, basically. And yeah. I think that we can pay them well for them helping and we can help boost their reputation and, and whatever else and just try and you know <laughs> fathom stickers fathom we can make it fun right we yeah. can make it fun and financially valuable for them that's the get that's the um, aim here and the game yeah because there's no way that you can know like dozens of cms's dozens of integrate like mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not accomplishable by a single human being um 
to be able to stay to to first do and then like you said stay on top of all of these integrations it would make more sense to have a network of experts who know who live these integrations like the the the, the person and people and team that we're going to work with for wordpress they live they live and breathe wordpress that's what they do all day every day we don't right like it would be cool if we had a shopify plugin like people uh, have asked us for this and like yeah. neither you and i don't do Shopify exactly. stuff. So Zapier, Zapier, Zapier too. Having yeah. someone come in and actually take control of that. And again, being paid a good hourly rate, but that's their project. And mm-hmm. we hire on a project by project basis. And it's just isolated. I think I think it would be a good side earner for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I just think it could be fun too. I really do. Yeah, and it takes it off of our plate because I think you're right. Our focus as owners of this business is is the core product like we can't it feels like it's taking our eye off the ball to like fiddle around for a week with a single integration that some of our audience use and it's probably it could be a hundreds of people or a thousand or more people using it but it's still just one aspect of it and it's still not just fathom it's fathom and x and i think that makes sense to just get somebody else to yeah take over happily <laughs> and take that off of um, our plates. And a big upside is the people that take over will actually be integrated into those communities. So yeah. uh, for example, imagine, you know, think of something like Statamic. We've had people wanting to write plugins for Statamic with the API. Those people are actually integrated deep into those communities. So they've got, yes, they've got influence and it could, you could argue that it's an advantage for us because they have influence in that way, but they also know what that community wants. They know about all these little gotchas. Like, you know, the guy in support the other day talking about WordPress and the different permissions. I don't know if he's right, but the point is he's, that guy's plugged in to that community. So they have these little ideas. Neither of us use WordPress. I mean, Mm. you know more about WordPress than me, but you certainly don't use it day to day. I stopped five years ago. (laughs) Well, there you go. There you go. So I think having that, that network of experts, well compensated, um, we try and big them up and we try and give them the recognition that they actually deserve for the help. And I think it could be really good. Just got to make yeah. sure we don't, yeah, make sure we do it in a fair way. Yeah, I think it, it it's smart too, to, like you said, I think figuring out what the, like we don't know what each integration needs or makes sense. Whereas these other people, these other people do, like for each type of software, for each type of integration, there are little things that it's like, oh, every React site does this so why does it's like i don't know i don't do that or like Mm -hmm. ghost is different from wordpress in this way so why doesn't fathom track and it's like i don't know another example the other day when we had that view there was a Vue.js issue yeah and we were using our spa mode which is just a history listener and they were saying about uh, the history listener was being toggled every time you type something in or, you know, in the search bar, it automatically refreshed. <laughs> and then we found out, oh, there's something called View Router, which to View developers, they go, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. But I've never, I mean, I've heard of a router for an SPA, but I certainly don't know the specifics. But if we had someone that works with View every single day and they saw what we'd already done with SPA mode, they'd say, why are you doing that? You need to change that and use View Router. And that's now in our list. But we want people that are just going to stop us from, um, I guess making mistakes is definitely mistake avoidance is obviously a huge motivation, but mm-hmm. I guess the the best practice that's what we want. We want people to help us find the best practice for an integration, and uh, I think that's going to be huge. 
Yeah, I I think that that's a good idea. And I think the the way that we're kind of building out Fathom, it makes sense to do it this way, at least for now. This is just obviously this is an idea in progress that Jack and I are kind of talking through publicly. Um, but it does feel like this makes sense because the, the strength of Fathom, the strength of having analytics on your website is being able to get them to work on your website or being able <laughs> yeah. to do things like as we build out new features too, it becomes even more important, right? Like as we build the features that we're working on, it becomes even more important to think about integrations and maybe there's easier ways to do things that takes the onus off of the website owner to know anything technical, like the closer we can get to know, I know you're a developer, so whatever, but like the closer we can get to know code with a lot of these, and I'm just talking about CMSs now, not like mm -hmm. viewer react, but the closer we can get to know code with CMSs, the more of our customers can use more of our features right which i think is a win like you don't have to if you don't have to edit code or edit a theme or like do that sort of thing yeah. then mm -hmm. that's a win for more customers which i think is just is just a good way to good way to operate here yeah no for sure we're definitely getting into the part where we need to start bringing more people in that's just how it is and we've been talking about this for a while so yeah. i think that this it's hard though like it's step. hard to it's hard to be an owner operator and then move into that. I think obviously it's like, it's a good problem to have and this isn't like a complaint or, or gripe fest here, but it is difficult to move into that space of, of, okay, well we're doing well, we're growing steadily. Things are sustainable. Um, but it now becomes, okay. If it becomes, well, where can we best, where can our time as owners be best served. Yep. And I think it's that conversation of like, okay, well, what should you and I give up in that scenario to keep Fathom as good as it possibly can be, keep our customers as happy as they possibly can be. And so it, it's conversations like this, which is you and I haven't been in this position before with, with businesses, oh, right? No, it's so it's, it's a, it's a new, it's a new place, but I think it's also an interesting place and it's a cool place. And I, I like having these discussions because it kind of sets the groundwork for the future of Fathom as Fathom gets bigger and bigger. And I think that this, this conversation is a good uh, time to, we'll be, I want to be really cheeky here. Okay. So I saw Justin and Spencer I don't know if you saw this. Oh, they yeah, were talking about bootstrappers taking funding. And I don't want to I don't want to be I'm going to be a little bit cheeky. I'm not going to take their whole they're going to debate it anyway. So they've got different positions. We have the same position, but I do want to bring it up. So if people that aren't aware, Justin uh Justin co-founder of Transistor and Spencer um co-founder of Podia were having a, a Spencer tweeted that he doesn't understand why people are so hostile or the bootstrapping community are so hostile towards venture capital. And Justin came in with some good points and Spencer came in with some good points. And I don't think there's actually a right or wrong. So I think that they're going to be recording a podcast. It's called uh, Build Your SaaS. And they'll be debating it or discussing it, let's say. But the thing is, they're both right. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no... There's no um, there's no right answer. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I've changed my opinion on what I would use capital for if we had it. Yeah. If we suddenly got given, say, say we took up an offer of like 20 million. Okay. Um, let's spend it on developers. However, do you want to know my issue with that? Sure. 
if we spend out, say for example, we get we quickly get a hundred thousand dollar a month developer payroll. We're doing loads and loads of stuff. We we still got to make that money back. It, it just doesn't in my head. It doesn't work. So in my personal, I guess it's different business and personal. But imagine we're spending a hundred grand a month extra, right? You've got to actually make that money back to replace that money. You can't just spend money like you're in. Oh, it's I'm not free money. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to sound like uh, what's his face. We're not the government spending money. You know, we actually think about profit. We're highly profitable right now, and we grow. We haven't had a single month of negative growth in the last two years, three. Whenever we started it, we haven't had a single month yeah. of negative growth, and we're, yeah, we're just probably profitable. I just worry that. I try to balance the viewpoint of, okay, but you need to invest in developers. So take $20 million and just spend loads of money on developers and don't worry about the profit. It will take care of itself. That's just not how I'm wired. I'm kind of, as much as I sometimes think it'd be cool to grow faster, our growth is amazing. Mm -hmm. We're growing hundreds of percent a year. I mean, that's just mind blowing. So why ruin something that's working when we can take these smaller steps, more smaller, more calculated, more fiscally responsible steps, in my opinion, um, towards actually hiring people in a way that, you know, we can't afford to spend a hundred grand a month on developers. So we're not going to spend a hundred month on developers, hundred thousand pounds, uh, dollars a month on developers. <laughs> They're all British. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's my criteria. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you think about capital? Cause it's interesting. We are a hundred percent in a place where companies would take capital. Yeah. I mean, we were offered capital on a weekly, sometimes daily basis. Right. So, and, and to be bought out because people want to just take our company yeah, away. Exactly. The cur- currently we're asking $200 million, I think. <laughs> oh, that's just funny. I mean, I think my, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's Boolean, which is why I agree. Um, I think both Spencer and, and Justin are correct. And I think actually one of the things I, I like the most about Justin is when, when he comes up against an idea that contradicts his, his first inclination is to say, okay, let's talk this out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's been on, so he's done so many podcasts, so many calls <laughs> with people who disagree with his ideas around business. And I actually really like that because I think that's the way things should work. Um, but I also think that it, it's not binary where it's not like capital is, I mean, I wrote a fucking book on why I don't think some companies should take capital. And I personally don't think that we should take it because I don't think we have a need. But I think if you do, there are scenarios where it makes sense. And I think that the the, the gray area is um, it doesn't have to be this um, like a hundred million dollar in investment from like a huge VC or, or capital yeah. type thing. It can be like um, like what's it called now? Calm Fund. It was Earnest Capital. Now it's Calm Calm something. Calm Tyler. Company Fund. Tyler. I should know because I'm an inv- I'm an LP in the fund. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, but I think that there are different levels of. I think if it makes sense, if, if if taking money makes sense, then you should figure out what the least amount of money you need is. Because I think that's probably the most. Because it's not it's not free money. Right. It's, yeah. it's like you said, you can't just take on $100,000 in developer payroll a month and you have the money, you have the capital to do that. And if you don't quickly grow to profitability from that huge expense, it doesn't make sense. So I think smaller investments always make more sense or the smaller, whatever the enough investment is to get the company to where it needs to go and 
dip under profitability for as little time as possible makes a lot of sense. I also think it depends on the idea, right? Like, I don't think you could start Airbnb with no capital. <laughs> it, yeah. Like, it, it, it literally wouldn't make sense to start a company like that or a social media company with no capital because in order for it to work, it needs scale, right? And one of the reasons why I wanted to start Fathom in the first place is because it didn't need immense scale to be profitable yeah, like we sure. were profitable in the beginning with like mm-hmm. a couple hundred customers and we like subsidized we had subsidized income in the early days because yes. we weren't making the same income but it wasn't long before you know we're making significant money from that but it was profitable yeah we didn't we definitely didn't go negative and that was us working on the side with it and yes. it was still making a profit and we were just building it up to the point where we were actually able to say oh wow we can actually go full time on this yeah it wasn't true profitability until then i actually take issue with people saying that we're profitable and they have like a thousand dollars mrr and it's like if you're not paying <laughs> yourself like if you can't live off of the proceeds of the business and it isn't profitable yeah. it's just making more than its expenses which is something to be celebrated for sure it's a, it's an amazing milestone in a business but until you can pay yourself a, like a livable wage it's not like it's not profitable like a business has to be has to make enough money to support itself and the people doing the work in the business so i think yeah we were profitable in a regard um but then we weren't truly profitable until we were paying ourselves, which is, I think, where sometimes capital makes sense. And I think that's a, a lot of the a lot of the like indie and bootstrapped investing funds um, kind of come in. in did where you say ind- Indian? Indie, indie, oh, indie. Yeah, okay. they could be in India. I'm not actually sure, <laughs> but Indian bootstrap funds. Uh, come you just in said where Indian. You just a hundred percent. You're misunderstanding my accent, which isn't an accent at all. <laughs> Sorry, I'll, I'll stop interrupting. Exactly, independent and bootstrapped funds. Oh. Yes, yeah. There we go. Um, I think those type of funds work really well when a, a, a business is growing and it's making enough money to support just the business, but the founders may not be having enough, but they want to work on it and it makes sense for them to work on it full time. And we were lucky that we had um, other work on the side where we could subsidize the money we needed to make to support our lives before Fathom could do that. Yeah. A huge and acknowledgement there you're making yes and if if somebody can't do that then taking capital in in those situations i don't think is a bad like it doesn't seem it's it's not a bad thing to me from from the right people so i think from the right people yesterday in the tweet thread i talked about uh, kenneth castle who just moved to fathom which is bloody awesome and uh he was talking he took some some of his own money i think i don't know how the states work with their ira is it ira roth ira but he definitely cashed out something that was kind of you know quite risky and he was thinking to himself and he's talked about this publicly that he's putting his family's financial um, stability at risk so there is the argument that you've got a family i don't i don't want to be putting them at risk so mm-hmm. taking capital can de-risk the situation and that's something that we i guess haven't touched on a lot before are you going to take all of your personal savings and your your roth iras whatever they are tfsas uh, in the uk it's an isa are you going to take all that money out, pay tax on it to fund yourself? If you, assuming you've even got savings, right? Yeah. To fund yourself and take all of the risk on yourself. Or would you rather sell part of your company to reduce the risk, get funding in exchange and just feel more stable? 
And I totally, totally take that argument. I had a really successful course launch and my consulting business was doing fantastically. You've been doing fantastically for a lot longer than me and you are financially stable. We could both take the risk and not take capital. And thinking about that's really helped me be more empathetic towards mm-hmm. people that do take capital because we, I, you know, I, I joked, I, I, did I say it on Twitter? There's this another privilege, right? Yeah. We're, we're in the privileged position and it's of our own doing. Um, that we were actually able to do it. Not everyone can do that, and I think yeah. we've got to acknowledge that. I, I wouldn't risk. Um, I wouldn't risk a business on my family's financial future. Like there I wouldn't take money yep. out to start a business. I would try to find a way to start a business without capital. But I mean, I'm lucky that I have the skill set to do that online. Like I, I don't have to pay rent or have a storefront or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, that's why I think that it's not black and white. Like I think that taking capital can sometimes help with that or help you if you have an idea that's that needs scale to be profitable then then it makes it's an equalizer sense yeah one word you've used and this will be the final thing i'll touch on when you were talking about capital you used the word need quite a lot now let's look at fathom what what's a need Right. So right now, there are certain things we can do to actually grow the business more. We could go in a few directions and we could add lots of value to the product and we could grow it faster. How do you decide what a need is? You know, how, how do you quantify the right amount of need? Because right now we, we need to finish the API. We need to, uh, I guess, keep growing at the same rate. Why do you cap that off or how do you cap that off? Like, What's a need? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think... Uh, for me, it comes down to what would like what can we do to keep the trajectory that we're on, which is slow, calm growth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, if we didn't keep it, and I mean, this is the nature of the business. If we didn't keep innovating in some way, we probably like we would see our growth decline. Like if we launched V one of our V two, I guess when you came on board, when we launched V two of Fathom, didn't add a single thing, didn't change a single thing, we wouldn't be growing at the rate we're growing. I just actually like, took a look. Yeah, I took a look at our MRR because I was reading a bit on some SaaS stuff. And yeah, interesting. So our need was actually to add those features that people were asking for. Mm-hmm. Our MRR, after, after we launched V2, it, it shot up. Mm-hmm. We were growing at a snail's pace. After V2, it completely shot up. Then we kept on iterating. But then, okay, why are you happy with our current growth? Which, and you're not happy with, for example, double the current monthly growth? I'm I'm happy with our growth because it's it supports you and I and on the current trajectory it'll support us even more and at the current trajectory it'll support us doing the things we talked about in the beginning of the episode like hiring experts to take on integrations why wait why not take 10 million dollars now and do it now rather than waiting until we have the cash flow for hiring loads of developers I don't know why we need to. Like, I don't, we're not. Why, why, why no, I'm arguments. We're going to eventually take yeah. on multiple developers. Why wait? Um, it's a good question. Why wait? Because we don't, I don't think we wouldn't tank the company by waiting. So why not <laughs> wait until, why not keep ourselves? And, and for me, it's always like, what can we do to keep ourselves in the black? Right. So why dip into the red if we don't have to dip into the red? If in the future, say in two months time, we can do the thing and pay for the people and not dip in and still be in the black. So if we wait Mm -hmm. two months, we stay in the black by paying these people. If we do it now, we might dip into the red 
and well, we, we would we probably would yeah yeah i think if we're so. talking about lo- not not the thing we're talking about but if we're talking about hiring loads of developers yes 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 100 grand is a bit ridiculous but um What's yeah a we big would dip into the red yeah so the, for me it's that like i don't want to i don't want to jeopardize the profitability of the business if we don't have to do that okay so you're actually operating at a core philosophical level of how to run a business here. Yes. Your goal is to run a sustainable, profitable business and you want it to stay that way and you don't want to take on liabilities, all these debts. You want to do it slow and steady. Whereas another philosophy is we want to grow this as fast as possible, get more market domination, uh, pack in tons of resources to this, grow, 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 and just eat up, eat up, eat up. It doesn't matter about how much money we spend as long as we're getting more customers. These are... T- Again, there's obviously loads of business philosophies, but mm-hmm. we're talking at a philosophical level. And then the, what the need comes from your business philosophy. Yeah. That's what it is. It, I would be too, if we did it that way, I would be stressed out, to be honest. Like, I don't think I would be happy and I think I'd be stressed out because every day I'd be like, fuck, we're in the red. <laughs> you'd be, and you'd have to be writing the investor reports and that would probably, oh imagine you'd hate that. Oh, being God. accountable to someone they'd be so, they'd be so bad yeah i, I wouldn't sacrifice yeah i could i couldn't do that like i understand why some people do and i think it's that's why i think it's not a black and white thing it's personal choice my personal choice is i'm in a position where i have the privilege of not doing that so why the fuck would i do that if i know that it would make me unhappy and stressed out yeah, and I'm glad we've talked about this because people that are listening don't feel guilty about taking money. I'm no. not trying to make you feel guilty. When we talk, I mean, you know, we are a little bit provocative on the website talking about being independent. Um, that I guess that's I guess that's more relevant against companies like Google or funded companies, right? That are just like, why is it relevant that we're independent and not funded? In your opinion, um, it's a it's a brand play. I think. Like even okay. even for you and I, like we like to support other independent bootstrapped companies. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're. I was going to say indie, but I was going to just going to be a whole thing again. So you're in, completely we, right. Yeah, we like that's why we use Transistor. Yeah. Their business philosophy lines up with ours, and it's a great product. We don't sacrifice anything by using an independent oh, bootstrap. That's it. Okay. Yeah, dude. We are basically sa- okay. We have a business philosophy. And mm-hmm. we are attracting people who have similar business philosophies that want calm, steady, um, the the economy to be calm and steady. Yeah, so they, they, they trust our money. sustainability. Okay, fine. That makes complete sense because you're right. exactly how we operate with uh, who we yeah. choose. And that, that's why thing. we're customers of Transistor. That's why Transistor's customers of Fathom. And even the way that we're, we've been talking about moving away from AWS in certain areas, I think that's, we're actually moving... We won't talk too much about this yet, but mm. we've, we've talked to the CEO of an independent company who they're doing mega scale and they're going to be working with us on a few things. And like, that's a great example. And that was, you know, chat with the CEO and he's an independent, I say CEO, you know, managing whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they're self-funded. They have family members that own shares in their company. <laughs> I mean, I love that versus just using Amazon for everything. Yeah. So there is this desire, isn't there, to support small companies. I guess, is it an underdog? Why do you want to support companies 
it just feels good because you want individuals to be benefiting from your business and you can see where the money goes and what it does and you can see that it's improving lives there versus a faceless corporation or or versus a corporation where the face is Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah, I mean, it like, I don't better. care that he in the last year or so made like $50 billion, like personally, like I don't, that doesn't make me feel good that mm-hmm. that happened because it, it just feels extractive and same with elon musk i don't give a shit that he's now one of the like billionest billionaires that there is like that doesn't make me feel good it makes and as well small businesses support the economy better and in a more in, in a bigger way than than big businesses big businesses and huge multinational corporations are completely extractive whereas small businesses do more for the GDP of a country than huge businesses. It is a turnoff, isn't it? When I see companies, and I think it was Josh Josh Mendes, I forget the name, his last name, but he tweeted about how companies don't have to change the world. It's okay to just want to improve customers' lives. Mm-hmm. I do feel that way. When I see a company, I mean, Netlify did is a good example. I look at their funding and I just go, no, I'm, I'm never going to use this. So I do that when I pick products. So it's yeah, interesting yeah. that you kind of turn that around on me. And yeah, I, I, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so that, I think that's a, a very interesting topic. And Justin, we didn't jack your conversation, by the way. So everyone... <laughs> no, I'm still going to listen to what him and Spencer have to say. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, and if this conversation has interested you, um, subscribe to Build Your SaaS. I think it's sas.transistor.fm. Something like it's that. I don't know, it's in, my, it's in my feed, so I never look at what the URL is. Yeah, we'll take a listen to their conversation when it gets published because it will be very interesting. And uh, Spencer's a smart, a smart guy, so I'm curious to hear what he's got to say. Yeah, I've talked about, I've de- I've debated uh, taking capital with him before on a show that's now defunct of mine. So I think it's a great have. conversation. Yeah, Spencer's a smart guy, and I don't. I, it's no knock against Podia for taking funding in the way that they've done it and the way that they operate. So it's not we're not comparing companies like Podia to companies like Amazon. <laughs> like that's yeah. not the comparison like the of like this is good, this is bad. So yeah, so that has been above board. What did we say? We're calling this the usefathom.com podcast. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Yes. As always, any questions, any hate, send them to at PJRVS on Twitter. Um, I hate hate you. Hate will be appreciated in capitals. Any screenshots of you pretending to delete your account because Paul's a part of the company. That was actually pretty funny. That was one of my favorite things on Twitter last week. Simon did that, but you know what I said? (laughs) What if he accidentally pressed delete? Because he had everything ticked in the joke. If he'd have pressed delete, we don't have a grace period. It it, it immediately gets queued up for deletion. That was something we decided on. So yeah, Simon, Simon Bennett, be careful with your jokes because they could backfire, young man. It was a good joke, though. I'll give it that. The amount of work to get to that screen made the joke a great joke. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all.